Welcome to the Dawning Bliss Podcast, where we help humans on their path to happiness, love, light, and freedom. And now, here is your host, Tanika Dawn, life coach and NLP practitioner. Excited as all get out to share this subject with you today. It is all about why the childhood trauma is the focus for mental health professionals, life coaches, most practitioners, a lot of personal development books, seminars, etc. So for the longest time, uh, I went through all kinds of therapy, all kinds of personal development, all the things. I, I've done it for years. I love it and always, right, it's something rooted in childhood. Uh, that you need to work on or heal or understand or shift or whatever and I never really questioned it um, because it's just what it is right that's kind of like the normalcy across all the platforms across all the industries in, in the mental health realm but today right we're gonna talk about why because I remember uh, as I would have conversations about my mental health journey and my personal development journey, people would be like, God, why do you always got to talk about childhood? Why you got to live in the past? Why you always bring that shit up? It was really annoying. Um, but right, like, I don't know, cause, cause that's why, cause that's what you do. Cause that's what they say. Uh, I actually finally have a like really full grasp understanding of why. And it's not what everybody's talking about. You know, I understand why it is in our childhood that the majority of our wounding is done. It's not necessarily uh, what you'd think. It's not because, you know, uh, when you're a child, you're helpless, right? I mean, yes, that's somewhat true as well. Um, But I'm, I'm really excited to dig into that and first, I'd like to tell you all a little story about a recent event that took place and, and how the impact of childhood trauma, uh, how long it can last and, and why you might want to work on it. And then I'll get to sharing with you the reason we go back to childhood and why most of the trauma happens there. So recently I was at coffee. Uh, I went to a business networking meeting, scheduled coffee with this gal. We sit down to coffee. We start talking. um, And long story made short, we became, er, I I scheduled her for a coaching session. And the, the session, right, always, always starts out with something really surface level. Well, the surface level was that she has a difficult relationship with her son. Now, let me tell you, this woman is 75 years old, right? I am 32 years old, so uh, interesting nonetheless. I really appreciate her generosity and willingness to uh, give me as a 32-year-old woman an opportunity to coach somebody who has had so much more life than me. So, so the surface-level problem with this gal was difficult relationship with her 50-year-old son core problem though after we worked through some of her issues and and used NLP time-based techniques 
we discovered that there was an instance at around 16 that really impacted her and kind of created this ideal or belief and emotion um, that, that she had harnessed and possessed for so long. <clears throat> then, right, we go back even further to five years old when this was the first time she experienced this emotion and thus the belief of herself, right, what that meant about her was created. So the root of the work I did with this 75-year-old woman was at five years old. 70 years she carried this crap with her. 70 years. That's huge. That's a long time, right? I can't even begin to imagine the number of people who have lived their entire life, right, clear to death, with unresolved pain that resulted from a wound that took place in their early childhood. Absolutely, absolutely astonishing to me. So back to the point, right? Now that, now that we've set the premise that literally 75 years, right? She's, she's lived all these years and now we're going clear back to there to fix something. So cool. So new setting. I'm driving back from dropping my kids off at school the other morning and I'm listening to a book which I highly recommend for anyone and everyone because it's such a good book, so well written. It's called The Hungry Ghosts by Gabor Mate. And now even if you don't read the book, go look up Gabor and read and listen. Oh my gosh, he is such an incredible wealth of knowledge and wisdom. Such a fantastic, oh, just, great mind, great mind. Check him out. Gabor Mate. Okay. I could keep going, but I'm driving back in. I'm listening to this book that the hungry ghosts and he begins to talk about vulnerability and he begins to break down the word vulnerable. And this is when folks, my understanding of things uh, around mental wellness, healing trauma, personal development will forever be shifted. If you look at the word, the Latin root of vulnerable is vulnus, which means wound. A little further, vulnerare is to wound, right? And then late Latin vulnerabilis, and finally vulnerable. So what does it mean to be vulnerable, right? I mean, I'm sure you have some idea of what vulnerable means to you. I had an idea of what vulnerable meant to me, right? It, it, it means literally that you are susceptible to wounds. Now, I want you to picture a two-year-old child, a three-year-old child, a five-year-old child. Now let me premise this with the fact that I worked in elementary schools for a number of years. And, and, and I used to have a daycare at my house when my children were too little to uh, go to school. So I've been around a lot of kids. They are naturally and inherently born vulnerable and remain that way up until 
about fourth, fifth grade when you'd really see a change. Uh, as I worked in elementary schools, I, I really saw a big shift um, between fourth and fifth grade when they really start to no longer be as vulnerable and create a defense mechanism and like walls, right, or boundaries. But literally from the time they're born until about fourth, fifth grade, which I would say is like nine or 10 years old, they are completely and almost effortless, effortless, effortless lit. Effort, oh my gosh. Hey guys, welcome to me. Uh, effort, effortlessly <laughs> uh, vulnerable, right? So they are just inherently vulnerable. Um, they don't need to defend. They don't need to uh, justify or explain or or whatever they just are right they, they just want to have your attention and be loved and all the things and and they just everybody they meet right they just think that sun shines out their butt if they give them attention and this is great right I'm not <clears throat> I'm not in any way saying these are bad things about children however right if we are that inherently vulnerable right? And vulnerability means susceptible to wound. From the time we are like created until like age nine or 10, that's like nine years, right? Of people outside of us having the opportunity to wound us, whether intentionally or unintentionally, right? It just is, right? Like it's, it's, that first few years, which are in fact our most formative years, um, right? Our most formative, our most developmental years, we are vulnerable, right? And it's through that vulnerability that we grow, right? I mean, it's so much harder, I think, in some ways to grow as an adult. One, we're not so curious, we're not as curious as adults. Two, a lot of us has already gotten our like way of thinking, um, we, we've got some hard-etched beliefs that we've believed for so long, etc. Whereas when you're a child, you're so curious, you're so um, teachable, you're such a sponge of things, right? You're just receiving the information around you. And, and so you do have to be a bit vulnerable, right? It's like clay, molding clay. It's got to be soft to work with it. And it's great that they're so impressionable, right? That we were so impressionable when we were young. But being that impressionable, being that moldable, being that soft also means that we didn't have the protective shell or coping mechanisms or defensiveness that we do now as adults to ward off some of those potential wounds, right? At this point, as adults, we've gained thick skin and, uh, from like zero to nine, right? There's no thick skin. Uh, I mean, uh, this is on a blanket statement. Clearly some children develop thick skin very early on and, and others don't. But this is why we go back, right, to childhood. And this is why our childhood traumas are so significant. Because at that point in our life, there was not any protective layer, right? There was not any protective layer. There was no defense mechanisms. It just was, right? We were so vulnerable. And, and during that vulnerable period of our life, we were so susceptible to wound. 
right? I mean, it's like um, being careful as an adult. We we know the things that will wound us, and we do our best to avoid that, right? Or to make uh, intelligent decisions to avoid that. And yet, as a as a child, right? One, we're learning and growing, but two, we're so inherently vulnerable that we haven't created any thick skin, right? We don't have calluses. We don't have scars yet. Um, we're, we're getting them. And something I learned years ago that I think just helps so much to the understanding is that when we're children, right? When we're children, we have the perception of children, right? So as an adult, I can look back at a five-year-old version of me and be like, dang, right? Like that was not so bad or that was really awful. But the five-year-old me that had the experience, all she had for perspective, right, was five years of life. All she had for how to process, receive, analyze the situation was five years of life and whatever's been taught to her or not within that five years. So I recently was talking about, and the trigger warning, heads up, I was recently talking about this as I was doing some of my own work on myself, some of my own healing. Uh, I was around five and I watched my mom's boyfriend uh, turn into a violent raging fit on a camp trip. And the memory that's, you know, kind of implanted in my head is of this man, literally he'd like knocked my mother to the ground and then picked up a large rock, the kind you would like use to make a fire pit and was smashing her head in with it. I was freaking out, right? But I was five. So, I mean, that's scary as an adult. I'll be honest with you. My, my 32 year old self finds that maybe even a little more horrifying um, but the five-year-old me, right? The five-year-old me who had such great vulnerability to that situation, who had so little self-sufficiency, so little self-sustainability, all of the things, um, she was terrified, right? She had a totally different experience than I, I mean, than, than my perception as a 30-year-old woman would. So we've got these things that play into account and that's why we go back, right? That's why we go back. One of my favorite healing processes or modalities I use for the hurt inner child uh, is, is to connect with them through letters. And the reason that we do that is because the adult you, right, the one listening to this right now, has gained so much experience, worldly knowledge, emotional depth and intelligence that you now as an adult can be the lifeline, the hero, the comfort, the peace, that little you needed, right? The little you didn't have those things then. Um, so I, I love that the big us can go back and help the little us, right? The little us was vulnerable. The little you didn't necessarily have a choice. The little you was subject to whatever went on and your little brain 
just wanted to survive, right? So it created thoughts and feelings and behaviors to keep you alive. And oftentimes, right, and this is why people in my profession exist, oftentimes those things that our little brain did to keep us alive are really wrecking our adult lives, right? It's no longer effective. And so we use, uh, like I said, I, I like to use one of my favorite forms of therapy or modalities or coaching. And I like to use the connection between big me and little me. Um, I send that homework to a lot of my clients. They love doing it. I will share with you how that process goes so that you can have a little uh, free coaching of your own. I do encourage you uh, to drink a lot of water if you choose to do this. It is very emotional. I also encourage you to open up, allow the emotions to come, allow them to be whatever they are. If you don't feel strong enough to do this on your own, enlist a loved one. Please don't use your own children for this. They are not responsible for your emotional health. Find a friend, a spouse, a therapist, a coach. I don't care who you use, don't use your kids. Anyway, so if you if you need help, you know, if you feel like you need some support going into it, definitely grab a friend. I recently had my husband help me with it. Uh, fantastic support. So what you do to connect with your very vulnerable, hurt child self is bring to mind the picture and the moment that the little you is hurting, right? So if I was to go back to the five-year-old me watching my mama uh, get her head smashed in with a rock. I'm sorry that's so vulgar, it's just what it is. So I would write to her or I would give her the opportunity to write. Typically, I let little me talk first, which means I go back to that place where I can see what I saw, hear what I heard, and feel what I felt in that moment. Um, if you can engage any of your other senses back in that moment even better, but at least hear what you heard, see what you saw, feel what you felt. Those are important. Once you're back there, right, and it feels real world, real life, um, kind of embody yourself in the little you and let the little you write a letter to big you. And so, uh, I have not done this work yet for this specific uh, memory, traumatic, in, traumatic injury, whatever. But uh, little me would, you know, say something like, "I'm really scared. Is my mama gonna be okay? Can you help stop the man from hurting my mom?" Right, like something of that nature. And then the big me would respond with some comforting things, right? Like, "Yes, your mama's gonna be okay." You know that is really bad that's happening that's not supposed to be happening um, I'm sorry that you have to see this you know whatever a little me needs to hear and then I would keep that dialogue going right after big me wrote a letter back to little me little me then takes back over and writes a letter in response to big me this is one of the most healing and transcendent experiences I have ever done in my now six years of uh, coaching and personal development with others. So you can use that, but to wrap it up, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for joining me on my first ever podcast. 
I'm super stoked about this first um, one. I realize it's probably not that great, and that's okay. I said what I felt like I really needed to say and wanted to share. I'm really excited uh, to have you listening, right? That, that's so exciting to me that you get to hear this message today, and I hope with everything in me that it somehow transforms or transcends your life in a way that we can be the ripple effect, right? That's going to help, help you find your path to happiness and help you help others find their path to happiness because that's what we do here at Dawning Bliss. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Dawning Bliss podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. For more podcasts and personal coaching, please visit us at dawningbliss.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.